right. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Exodus chapter 4. And we've um, got a few more weeks here in, in looking at uh, s- kind of pictures of Moses pointing to Jesus. Um, and that's the whole point of this, uh, of, of this, uh, this study that we're in as we walk to Easter. Um, and we want our church to be challenged. I do want to say um, uh, just thank you very much for uh, the, the giving. Uh, just if you look in the back of your bulletin, we are above budget. I don't think we've ever been this far above budget ever in the history of our church. Uh, only, I don't know how many weeks into the year, two months into the year, but that's very encouraging. I feel like uh, our church has responded, and uh, I just want to say thank you for that, and hooray. <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, and uh, yeah, encouraged by, encouraged by that. I think God will use that in uh, mighty ways for him. Um, as, as, we're, as I was thinking about this whole idea of Moses, and Moses is still asking questions about leadership. Okay, are you telling me I'm the guy that you're going to use, right? I'm the guy. I f- he, 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 he asks, um, he begins to feel insecure, and um, questions arise in his mind, and uh, he, he has to deal with them. And so I'm, I've been helping out a little bit more with youth, and I was at youth on Friday night, and uh, you know, I know some people, so, some of the kids don't come on Sundays at all, um, and so I was meeting some of them for the first time on Friday, and it was funny because uh, I was just wearing shorts and running shoes and a Tampa Bay Ray shirt, <laughs> and I went up to um, some of them, hey, how you doing? I'm, my name is Frank. And uh, they're like, oh, hi, who are you? I'm like, well, I was, I'm, I'm a pastor here. They're like, like, what do you mean? Like, what kind of pastor? Well, um, I mean, I'm like the lead pastor here, but yeah. They're like, wait, what? You are what? You? you are? I was like, yeah, I am. I am. Okay, let's shoot hoops or something, right? Uh, then another, like, there's a couple eighth grade boys that were shooting, and, and uh, they're like, oh, you're, they said, oh, so you're Pastor Frank? And they're like, man, you are short. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks. As you pack me, eighth grade boy, right? <laughs> As I try to shoot. <laughs> Wow, that was, that was interesting for me. Um, but, you know, I did. I began to feel like, oh, wow, this is a different world. They're just shooting straight here, you know. They're, they're, just, they're just letting it rip. Okay, uh, God help me here. God help me say the right thing, connect with them. But I don't know exactly how to be, but, but let me be the right thing. And when we come to this story, Moses, um, he, is, he is being called out to do something hard. Maybe you're being called out right now. You feel like God says, I want you to grow. I want you to work through this, right? And, and for you to work through this and to lead your family through this or to lead whatever, um, I need for you to trust in me even more. And some of us, we just want to make excuses. I know I do. I want to make excuses for what, for the next step that God has for me, you know? If you think about it, people will... Um, God will use his bride, the church, and say, hey, I want you to engage with the church more, but we know all the time people quit the church. People quit engaging with the church. And, and when you think about it, sometimes it's for the craziest reasons. Um, because let's say you went on onto a football game and everything didn't go exact, you know, kind of exactly as you planned it. Um, that wouldn't necessarily be an excuse, right, to, to quit or to, ev- to ever go to another one, right? Maybe you went to a game and you sat by some people who just weren't friendly. Would you go to another game? You know, I thought about, okay. Well, what if the seats weren't very comfortable? We tried to make these seats as comfortable as possible, right? What if they asked 
for money when you arrived at the gate, right? I mean, we, we can find reasons. What if the band played some songs at halftime you had never heard before, right? Make the connection. <laughs> what if the ref, referee did something you didn't agree with? What if the game went a little too long, Frank? Even into overtime, right, Frank? Would you stop going to the game? Yeah, well, I, I get it. I get it. We make excuses, right? We, we try to, we, 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 we come up with reasons when we don't want to hear the voice of God. And God, here's what we know, is we call this the effectual calling of God. Not the general calling of God, but the effectual calling of God means this, that God's calling will be effective regardless. Even though you, you seemingly uh, leave, right? Though you seemingly resist it, you really can't. That's what the effective or the effectual call of God is, is that, hey, Westtown, right? Tom, Dave, no, Dave, I know. Nope, Dave, come on, come on. You're coming here, Frank, you're coming here. You're coming here, and God is relentless with you. He's relentless with me. Because it's not just a general calling that says, I hope you respond. It's the constant, consistent voice of God. And that's why some of you are here, I know. You are here because you know that God does, has not relented with you. In spite of all that you've done, in spite of all that you've gone through, you know he's calling you to a deeper relationship with him. And, you know, Moses has run. Um, and, and we see the different mistakes that people make through the life of Jesus, right? Sometimes we run before we're sent to a certain calling. Look at Moses did, right? God hadn't sent him yet, but he ran on ahead. He did things he shouldn't have. And then what else do we do? Well, sometimes that we retreat after we failed, and we've seen that too. Maybe you've, you've engaged and you've run when you haven't been sent, and then you've failed, and then when you fail, you say, you know what, that's it. I'm, I'm retreating, and we know that's exactly what Moses did. A lot, a lot of us have decided it's just time to go and hide because of what I've done. It's, it's unforgivable. Um, and that's the kind of standard that isn't set by God, but it's set by, by men. But then, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about this morning, there are some of us that, you know, we're not just running now before we sent. We've made that mistake before. We, we're not just retreating after we failed, but we know that we are being called and we resist, right? Um, and we do not want to submit to his authority. We do not, when we read things like this, we just don't want to give up what we believe is ours. We don't want to give that up uh, to God. And um, when, when you look at, at Moses, God is calling them. God is calling Moses. And we're going to pick up at verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. You've got to put yourself in these stories. For these things to come alive in your life, you have to put yourself in a, in a story like this. You have to find yourself. Moses answered to God's calling in his life. He's going to lead the Israelites. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared 
to you. Why me? God, please prove it. God didn't have to prove it, and he did. He said, look, you know what? Um, here, here's what's going to happen, is that uh, you, um, you are going to be one to, to seize the tail of the serpent, the serpent being the evil one, the serpent being Egypt. You are going to be the one, and I have power over it. If you want to know that you're going to be the one and God's going to be used, here, let me just show you this. I'm going to turn... Um, I'm going to turn your staff into a snake and show you before the very eyes a, a microcosm, a little small little example of the vast power that I have. Moses, do you believe me? When you read that, do you believe that that's your God? Or is that just the God of the Old Testament that has nothing to do with you? Some of you think that. That's, like, we're talking about a God that's not the same today in 2018 as it was back in. It's the exact same God. Then the Lord says, okay, you need, you need a sign? Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now, put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. You could take this to mean a number of things. God's power over your physical body could also take it to to see hey look god says as as a redeemer of israel i'm going to purify you you know you may be a community that looks like leprosy that feels like leprosy but i am going to restore ultimately uncleanliness to cleanliness i will i will uh, bring your flesh back to life that's how powerful i am moses does this give you any more confidence does this give you any more confidence when you see that when you think okay god Ultimately, we know, is in charge of the physical world. Ultimately, God will take something dirty and will make it clean. He, he, he is over all things. God's plan is um, completely sovereign. You need to see one more thing, Moses? Do you, do you need to see one more thing? Then the Lord said, well, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, right, to the snake, They may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Well, here's what we know. In in the Egyptian world, the Nile was spiritual. The Nile was uh, a godlike presence because it it was the... The water that fed, you know, atten- you know, realistically the world. The Nile River Valley, in an agrarian society, if you were near the, the Nile River Valley, that meant that your crops were going to grow and that you were going to have food. And if you had food, you had power. Because during times of famine, during times of, uh, of drought, you, uh, you went to the place that could give you water and can make your crops grow. You wanted food. And God is saying, look, the Nile River Valley, the Nile, that each, the pharaohs think is godlike, is mystically um, divine. I'm over that. And if you were a reader of the Old Testament back in the day after it was written, here's what you knew. Oh, that's right. In some ways, this is foreshadowing what? The first plague. This is the first plague. The first plague where, where um, God turns the Nile into, all of the Nile into blood. Saying to Pharaoh, no, Jehovah Jireh is greater than any, any of your sorcerers, um, any of your fake magic. 
And when you think about God's call uh, in your life, I know there's fear and there's insecurity. And he saw that in Moses. But here's what we do know, that God will what? Ultimately, God will triumph against any opposition in the external world to bring about his purposes. If you knew that, and you had these three examples seared into your brain, man, leprosy, it's over that. He took a staff and turned it into a snake. And and the snake, oh yeah, the snake, evil, Garden of Eden, the heel, ultimately will destroy the head of the serpent. Okay, he's over Satan, he's over the physical world, and he's over um, even the Nile. He is over all things. If you believe that God was sovereign, and he was asking you to stop sitting in the grandstands, right? To stop sitting and watching the game being played. He says, I want, I want to call you into the game, and you've been on the bench, and you have to know that I, uh, I am the one that controls all things, and I want to use you. And some of you, honestly, um, are scared, and some of you in this room are just straight up bored. You're just bored with your life. You don't know. You're like, yeah, I get through, get a paycheck. Um, I'm getting through my classes with A's and B's. I have some friends, but you know, I don't really know if there's any true adventure or true battle to be fought. And what God is saying to Moses, there is. And I want you to be a part of it. And some of you are just sitting on the bench because you're either insecure that you can't play or um, you don't even realize that a game, um, that this this battle is being fought and and you can't see uh, that uh, God is calling you into this great life, this HD life. Henry Thoreau says that, you know, most humans live lives of what? Of quiet desperation. I mean, is there anything more true at, you know, at at a kind of painful level in suburbia in the United States, right? Living lives of quiet desperation, right? We don't want to show anything, but look, when we're honest, man, nothing's fulfilling us. We live lives, and God's saying, I know you're living that. That's why, Moses, I'm calling you out of the desert, right, where you think you're just hanging out with Jethro and Zipporah, and I want to call you to something great. And for some of you, you either want to play it safe, or you just don't want to go into the game. Uh, and, and, and you're nervous, um, And so he says first, all the external world I am in control of. But then then here Moses um, sees all three of those unbelievable things. We see God do things through other people or through a different church or through whatever. And we say, okay, all right, I believe that. But then Moses said, and this is, I know what I do, but hey, Moses said to the Lord, pardon pardon your your servant, Lord, but... I know I'm going to have to be doing some like talking to famous people. And I'm going to have to be giving arguments. And Lord, I have never been good in front of people. I have never been eloquent with my words. I stutter and I stammer and I get nervous and I I sometimes don't make sense. Um, Neither in the past, Lord, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm not good with people, right? I'm just not good with people. I, I know I'm not called to that, right? Um, I am slow of speech and tongue. I couldn't lead a small group. I'm not going to do that. I, 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 don't, I, I can't read people very well. I can't read myself very well. 
I, you know, I've got the, you know, my past is, you know, you know what I've done in my past? There's no way I could be a part of this group or that group. I'm not going to lead or help out with a youth ministry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be on the youth praise team. You know what I've done before, right? I mean, I'm partying, man. I, six months ago, I was getting drunk every weekend. I can't do that. And, you know, when, when God says, or when Moses says something like this, when you say something um, like that to God, I am, um, I just don't have what it takes. Here's what God says. His response to you and to me is this. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who did it? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God knows every insecurity you have. God knows every um, past mistake you have made. And he says to Moses, the murderer, I am going to help you be the deliverer of the Israelites. I will go and I will speak. You, you just have to trust in me and be prayed up and we need to be a team. And that's what God is saying to you. He's saying, will you stay close with me? And if you stay close with me, and don't, don't just come for me for advice and then leave, but, but what if we walked this journey together? What if the very thing God was calling you was the very vehicle by which you were gonna grow in intimacy with God? Because you knew that in order for you to do something, right, in order for me to really stay in this marriage, I need the faith, or I need the intimacy of God. I need to know He is there, right? To, to, in order to redeem this situation, I know I will need God every step of the way, and He knows that. And He wants to use the very thing that He wants to help or for you to lead or move into. That's the very vehicle I believe He is going to um, use to deepen your relationship with Him, for you to be closer to, uh, to, with God. I thought I was coming to Tampa to plant the church, right? That's what I thought. I'm going to do something for God, but here's what God told me. Or God showed me, no, no, I'm just going to use planting a church. I'm just going to use starting a business. I'm just going to use you taking a new job to be the vehicle by which you have to trust me even more. That's all church planting was for me. Same thing, just, just God decided, I'm going to, okay, you're going to plant a church, whatever. Um, that's, that's fine, but whatever, you, whatever I called you to do, that's, I'm going to get closer to you, Frank, through that process. And you know you need to be uncomfortable, so you have to rest on me even more. You knew you had to leave Orlando to be uncomfortable so that you would need me even more. And that's what he's calling Moses to. And I know that God speaks to you. I know he does. He is not a static God. He is a dynamic God that's always talking to you. He does it through his word. He does it through his spirit. He does it through other people. And when you have this internal dialogue, here's what God says. God will triumph against any opposition in your internal world to bring about his purposes. That's what he's going to do. God will overcome whatever insecurity or fear or boredom that you might have, he will. So what do you think Moses' response now? I mean, you think, you think, uh, don't go to the next slide yet, but I mean, you think of all that God's done, right? Hey, here's three miracles. You're insecure. You stutter. You stammer. I'll be there for you. I'll be your mouth. Okay, now what's Moses' response going to be? I mean, it's going to be, 
I mean, for me, there's kind of like, okay, all right. Okay, Moses, giddy up. It's go time, right? Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Three miracles. He said his insecurity. Uh, pardon me, Lord, but I'm going to go ahead and pass. <laughs> Thank you very much. What? Right? I mean, what do you do with this? I mean, I mean, Moses at his very core, he's being so, tr- I mean, so transparent, right? Please send someone else, not me. Remember what he just said at the burning bush last week. Here I am. I mean, ultimately he saw it and he, here I am. So what does a heavenly father, what does a heavenly father do? When your son or your daughter says this to you, when you're a son or your daughter, or when you are a son or you have a daughter that says this to you, how do you respond? What does a loving, truthful father say? And this is where I, I think we have these categories of God that we think, well, either God is this or God is that. And when you look at God's response, to me, um, it's nervously affirming to me. When you, when you hear and you see what God... So, so please, Lord, don't pick me. Pick, you know, whoever. Someone else. A loving father. Here's his response. Verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Right? So we're going to stop right there. The Lord's anger. I've given you everything. I provide you a house. I provide you a car. I provide you... Uh, an education, I set you up, I use my contacts to get you a job, and you still won't take it? I, I've, I've, I will be there for, I will be your backer, your full financial backer. You've got, you've got to do something, Moses. You can't stay in this box. I am your father, and it's my job to what? It's, it's my job to push you, right? Hebrews, God disciplines those that he loves. God pushes his son out of the house because he's so scared to make it in the world. No, no, son, you have to know. And he is angry because he's given everything, and now it's just not right. Anger is not a sin. To sin in your anger is, obviously. In your anger, do not sin. And so the Lord knew that this just wasn't right. Moses was not right. It was wrong for him to respond this way after all that the Lord has shown him. So the Lord's, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, now here's, here's the, the unbelievable grace of God, which always points us to Jesus. Okay, I'm mad, Moses, but okay, okay. I'm not letting you out of this. I'm not going to let you out of this, buddy, but okay, let's figure something out. What about your brother, right? Aaron the Levite. I know, he's a good talker, right? He can speak well. Um, he's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him. We'll do it this way. You speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform 
the signs with it. What does a gracious and truthful father do? Here's what he does. A gracious and truthful father expresses disappointment. He's disappointed. He burned with anger. He is disappointed in his boy, but he is adamant to accommodate, right? Okay, okay, I'm frustrated, Moses, but it doesn't matter because I'm committed to you. I cannot not be your father. I'm, all, I'm your father. You're my son, right? You're saved. You're, you, you've been elected, and I'm disappointed in you, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to accommodate you, but you're not going to get out of it. You're still going to be sent, Moses, but I'm going to accommodate you. When you think about this, when you think about what God has done in your life, and you know, he says, you've been um, rejecting a calling. And God says, no, no, well, I've sent you. Here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I've given you your wife. I've given you your husband. And, I, and, and they're going to help you in your times of doubt. I'm going to give them to you, even though you shouldn't need them, because God says, I got to be enough. I know that I'm going to accommodate you with some, uh, you know, with, with a, a family member here or with a close friend. He sent um, friends to me, things he wanted me to do in high school. He, friend, he sent uh, my buddy Keith, right? Um, he sent my buddy Eric to be next to me during some key times in high school to help me to help me become the man that I was supposed to be. And I didn't do it, I didn't do it perfectly. But he accommodated me. I should have been able to do it because with God, you have everything, right? I can do all things through Christ. Moses, you can do all things through God here. Moses says, no, I can't send somebody else. Okay, Moses, God, tonight. Okay, you need some, you want a, you want a human to help you a little bit? who's going to lean on me. I'm not letting you out of this, but I'm going to accommodate you. How has God done this in your life? And I think it's important for you to recognize it. When you know he's been disappointed with you, but he has not getting you, left, left you, and he has said, okay, no, I've sent, I've sent someone. I've sent something to help you. Because Proverbs says, if we want to raise Christians, right, part of the process is, is Proverbs 3.11 and 3.12. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof, right? Don't. If you feel like you needed, someone needed to give you a hard truth here, don't reject it. When it's from the Lord, when it's from the Scriptures, don't reject it. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves or he disciplines. If you're being disciplined right now or you can, you can feel the disappointment of God, that's part of our discipline, right? even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. The worst thing for us, for our spiritual health, w would be for him to say, no, nah, no, nah, don't work out spiritually. No, nah, you don't really need to come to church on Sundays. It's not a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. You really don't need to go to small group. You really don't need to uh, open up your Bible or pray. You don't need to do that. I mean, what if a trainer said that to me or to you? No, you don't need to get on the treadmill. Go ahead, have, yeah, Frank, get the apple fritter and the Boston Cream at Dunkin' Donuts. Both of them. Boo, yeah, I knew it. I knew I could get them. You'll be fine. Yeah, okay. Go ahead, see how long that lasts. I'll get a high for about 38 minutes, then I'll be asleep, you know? That's what happens to me. Then I gotta get a five-hour energy. It's all weird. No. <laughs> a gracious and truthful father. All of this, what? All of this points to what Jesus 
has done for us. Yes, he's truthful and he says, Peter, get away from me. Satan. But you know what? I'm going to re I'm, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to I'm I'm not you're not off the hook, Peter. I'm going to make you the man and that's why Peter and Paul, I mean they're the ones who are the church planners. What is God calling you to? And what excuses have you made? Right? Where you just said no, I'm not. It's an excuse. And God has shown you these things and he's in full power and you know what? He he is fully accommodating sometimes needs to express some disappointment so that you feel that hurt because what's the thing about being the child that disobeys the father and what happens when your father says to you pal that hurt that means you didn't trust me right and I don't know why you wouldn't trust me because I'm doing things that um, I think are good for you and then go to your room right Go to your room. And what happens when they're not put on restriction? What happens? The worst thing for a kid is they feel like they've let down their father. Oh my, what have I done? He loves me, right? I know he does. What am I doing? When that is worked out and you know that God is in relationship with you as his son or his daughter and he is doing this and he's doing this to Moses in prep for Okay, you're going to walk into the court of Pharaoh and you're going to say, a bunch of frogs are coming into your bedroom, right? You're going to say, you've got to have enough faith to say, there's going to be a bunch of gnats all over you, right? And, and, and it's, going to, it's going to change the world. And you've got, you got to have enough faith that you can walk in there with Aaron and say, you know what? All your firstborn sons will die. And it's going to be terrible. Please, let your people, Pharaoh, right? Or, no, let my people go says Moses. And when you read this story, where do you find yourself? Is it just simple unbelief? You don't even believe this is true? That could be it. Tell that to God. Say, I don't believe this stuff. Help my unbelief. If it's you're just scared or you feel like the only thing God is doing with you is expressing disappointment, tell you what, when the Lord anger, Lord's anger burned, you better not forget he just didn't yell at Moses. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you a friend in Aaron. That, that was grace right there. I mean, his, his forgiveness knows no end. His grace knows no end for Moses. Moses could have continued to sin and hate. And he said, no, Moses, you're my man. I'm going to use you. I don't care what you're going to do. We'll wait another 10 years. We'll wait another 40 years. But you're my man. The effectual call of God cannot be resisted. And when you know that in your life, and when you give into it, man, you live out your design. You live out what God made you for. Where are you? Maybe you need to hear that God is disappointed. Not to condemn you, but just to realize, man, this is what a good father does. He's disappointed in me. And he calls me to greatness. That's what I feel like when you stare at the cross. And you realize your sin put him on the cross. But ironically, all of that wrath that God placed on his son was now not placed on me and we live out of that truth and we can see Jesus in this passage it's a picture of Moses that points us to Jesus what's your calling what's he calling you to please make this real make this something that um, is not not just a lecture not just a talk but you can apply hopefully that sets you up because now we're gonna come to the Lord's Supper and we're gonna take uh, his meal uh, this offering um, 
from God. Now, let me say this. And I normally don't say this when we come to the table, but I do want to... So Paul was talking to a church in Corinth in Asia Minor, and some people weren't realizing that God hates sin. And some people were going out to Ybor City, getting hammered, doing all kinds of things uh, late on Saturday night, and then they showed up on Sunday morning. And they come and they just take the Lord's Supper without even thinking. And he said, you know, when you do that and you don't put any weight to this meal, you actually eat curse on your life because you're not understanding what this is. And he said, I want you to be careful. And so I know, and it shouldn't be very often, but I know there are times where maybe some of us need to not come up. Paul says, don't come up and take the Lord's Supper because you know that there's a certain sin that you're dealing with because Paul didn't want the, the Christians to eat, you know, judgment upon their lives. And so I want you to be able to take inventory and see yourself. And so as we prep for this table here, I do, I, I want to ask you this because I think this passage highlights some of that. If you've been running for, from God in some scandal, in some sin, some heavy sin, and you feel like, okay, no, this is separating me from my relationship with God, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. That's not what this is. But you know you are so far, you are so the prodigal right now that you've been way out there and, you know, you're, this is just kind of a rote exercise that you do at West Town once a month and maybe you need to sit out and just repent and, and pray and get right with God. And then next month you come and you take it. Um, he says, I want you to take this meal, meal seriously. You're always, if you've accepted Christ, you're always a Christian. You're going to heaven. That's not what Paul is talking about. But he's saying within the family dynamic, sometimes it's good for you to not receive dinner. It's good for you not to receive dinner so you will appreciate dinner. And that's, that's part of why we want to be mindful about this table. Now, I know um, most of us in this room are going to feel like, okay, I need to eat. I need to take spiritual uh, sustenance from the Lord. And that's why Jesus is our host and he says, come and eat. So if you know him and you know him personally, come and take the Lord's Supper. It is, it is going to fill you. It's going to grow you spiritually. And we're so excited. So... But, but if you don't know him, we'd ask that, hey, you refrain. And if you feel like this morning is a time when you want to receive the Lord into your heart, where you feel like you recognize that this is, a, this is not a religion, this is a relationship, and maybe this is the first time you've recognized that, receive him into your heart. We would love that. And then tell one of the elders, and, uh, and we'll continue to talk about what that looks like. Um, but let me pray and, and ask God's blessing. Um, Actually, but before we do that, just remember, you leave out of the right side and you come back in the left side for traffic reasons. Good. Let's pray right now. Father God, you um, have given us your word and then you've given us this meal. And uh, God, as we think about Moses, I find myself all throughout that story. Uh, Father, I, I find um, the questioning of your power over external things question of your power over internal things and then kind of this dogmatic um, fear or unworthiness or hopelessness and you say it's a lie and God I've got a choice we've got a choice to believe ourselves our sinful selves or, or to trust in you and I pray that we will trust in you and live that way I know you've got great things for individuals in this room for you and you're calling them to more and corporately as a church are calling us to more. And uh, may we respond, Father, uh, in faith. We thank you for 
your love and your grace. Now please, Father, uh, bless, uh, bless this meal.